Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a podcast about Star Trek by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Pranica. I'm your other host, Ben Harrison. How you doing, Ben? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. Recovering from some sickness. Um, yeah. With a quickness. It was actually a not bu- with a quickness. I was sick for like seven days, basically. Ah. Yeah. It sounds terrible. Were you, uh, were you snot sick or butt sick? Uh, it's not sick. My butt is great always at all sure. times and in all places. Just uh, permanently on point. Yeah. I can tell you, trust me, there's nothing wrong with my butt. <laughs> Are you trumping me right now? I'm trumping you a little bit. <laughs> I just well, love that denial. Yeah. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> it's like uh, like trying to trying to tell me a used car has the undercoat for rust prevention trust me oh yeah there's nothing wrong with that undercarriage that's for sure (laughs) we're not a politics podcast i apologize there's some shit going around man yeah i feel fortunate to be uh, the type of person that works from home so my exposure to to the filth of the world the six and what have you yeah uh, is pretty diminished given that i'm living in a basement most of the time yeah i think that i got this on the day that i sallied forth into the city and deigned to go on a job interview because I too generally work from home and I'm considering a couple of cool opportunities to go in-house at different places and uh, yeah I probably sicked myself up going and eating in a restaurant for lunch and riding around on the subway and interacting with uh, strange people in an office. Well that'll teach you to try to go out and get some real employment. (laughs) Yeah. God, there's really no natural segue between that and the episode we're going to cover. I think we got a good one today. We do. Uh, it's it's season one, episode 21, The Arsenal of Freedom. I think we'd been looking forward to this one for a while. Yeah, and 21 starts to really feel like we're closing in on uh, the end of, of the dreaded season one. It's a great feeling. I feel like we've really accomplished something here. Yeah. And in some ways, we've accomplished nothing. Something is, is a generous term. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. So, the Starship Enterprise, uh, that's the Enterprise D for those keeping track at home, uh, shows up in the Lorenz Cluster uh, to search for the USS Drake after it vanished while serving, surveying the planet Minos. I was ready not to like the USS Drake immediately, uh, by the way, just based on its name. <laughs> yeah? Just really unimaginative lyrically. Yeah. It, like, tries to look tough. But it's still totally ethered the USS Meek Mill. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, there's exactly three listeners who will get that joke. <laughs> and we're two of them. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't listen to this show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they spend a lot of time talking about the captain of the Drake uh, in their approach of Minos. Yeah, Riker and him evidently were roommates back in the academy, right? Yeah, they were like Al Gore and uh, Tommy Lee Jones were college roomies. Could you imagine being Riker's roommate in the academy? Oh my God. That sock is permanently on the door handle, right? It's probably covered in socks. 
I'm thinking it's like when you take a scarf out of a clown's hand and scarves just keep coming and coming and coming. Like a magician sleeve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, what we come to understand is that uh, Captain Rice is a, a very Kirk-like dude, uh, it sounds like, you know, doesn't believe in no-win situations, pulled a lot of uh, shenanigans at the academy that have since become curriculum. In a difficult situation, a man like that would act aggressively. Agreed. Captain Rice's uh, acne scars are a real no-win situation when you see him <laughs> down on the planet later. <laughs> that guy yeah. had it pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> they uh, they show up at the planet and they get a a scan going, and what they discover is that there are zero life forms in orbit or on the surface, and no sign of who they came looking for. But they get hailed by something on the planet's surface, and uh, Vincent Chiavelli pops up on the screen, really smarmily putting the hard sell to the crew of the Enterprise. If you need a little something special, be it for one target or multiple targets, we got it. And this transmission ends with an invitation to go to the planet's surface. Yeah, I mean, Vincent Chiavelli has kind of an amazing career as an actor. He's been in about a thousand things. And when he pops up on screen, I think it's a real welcome sight. Yeah, you're you're familiar with this character. He's a strange-looking man. Yeah, he kind of is. I think it's the haircut. He's not, like, super attractive like most people on TV, but he does have, like, an exceptionally weird hairstyle going in this. Yeah, we're definitely going to get back into Star Trek haircast here for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) But he's sort of got, like, that, uh, that professional wrestling haircut of... Of a little bit balding in the front and then really long and stringy in the back. I would compare it to Krusty the Clown. Yeah, that's fair. Except for normal hair color, not green. Right, exactly. <sighs> All right, that concludes Star Trek Haircast. <laughs> so they decide to send an away team down to the surface, even though they've just uh, discussed the fact that something or someone has obliterated all life from the surface and there's no sign of the ship that uh, came before them. Yeah. Sounds kind of risky. Yeah. So uh, so Riker taps Data, Tasha Yar. Yeah, and, and Yar is uh, strategizing a little bit. She wants to take a small detachment down to the surface because of this potential hostile situation. Her logic is they'll get fewer people killed that way <laughs> yeah. if they just take fewer total people down. Yeah, let's just take the three most important people, aside from the captain and the doctor, to down to the surface of the planet yeah we can always get them killed later (laughs) so the away team beams down and they're kicking around through the palm trees and whatnot yeah they really uh they raided the garden section at the ace hardware for this episode it's another classic bad planet set you know exterior uh interior for exterior so there's like (laughs) ficus trees they've hot glued bird of paradise flowers onto the outside of there's just every different type of plant that you would see in the potted plants for inside your shitty van nuys apartment yeah they they totally got a a set budget injection here for this one (laughs) really blew it out at the local home depot yeah every dolly grip went home with uh (laughs) with something to put on his front porch So they're stomping around all these plants, and they decide to split up because they can do more damage that way. And Riker bumps into his old bud, Captain Rice, 
who just sort of emerges from the mist. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's pretty clear that something's wrong with him because, uh, well, not only is he just covered in acne scars, but uh, he has sort of that dead that dead look in his eyes. Right, and, yeah, Riker uh, wasn't like, geez, Rice, it's fucking 24th century. Get some Accutane or something. Riker steps to him and attempts to do their, like, 13-step handshake, and, uh, <laughs> and Rice isn't having it. Rice instead, like, just sort of asks him a bunch of weird questions in a really monotone fashion. What's your purpose here? And, uh, and so Riker... Riker is sort of hip to the idea that something's wrong and starts giving him some real weird answers to his question. Who sent you here to look? Your mother. Testing the uh, the waters for what Rice is going to do if he if he starts giving wiseacre responses. Right. Rice is like, uh, like, how many people are in your crew? How fast is your ship? Yeah. What's the name of your ship? The name of my ship is the Lollipop. It's, uh, it's a good ship, which is like sort of a, <laughs> a slide whistle of a joke. Yeah, that, uh, that Riker slips in there. So he's he's hip to the idea that rice isn't really rice. Yeah, and uh, once he kind of makes his understanding of the situation known to rice, rice evaporates and reveals himself to have been a hologram that was carefully concealing a highly dildonic mobile battle drone, which uh, right. starts starts blasting away at the away team. This drone looks like a Pringles can with one of those big plastic Easter egg things that have candy inside on, on top. <laughs> Maybe a big one on top and a little one on the bottom, and then there's that Pringles can in between. It, it's sort of like a, uh, there's a, like a RoboCop-looking helmet on the top part. Yeah. What would you say this looks like? I mean, it really just looks like a standard dildo with clit stimulator <laughs> turned upside down to me. <laughs> Not quite as long as you would want, I guess. You mean like the one on your Amazon wish list? <laughs> yeah, people can uh, people can find me on there. Uh, <laughs> nobody's taken me up on that yet, but... Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my clit needs diddling. <laughs> <laughs> the good ship clit diddler. <laughs> so uh, I read in the, uh, in the production notes on this one that the effect was made... By some guy wearing a full head-to-toe green screen suit and just, like, hand-carrying this thing around. Oh, cool. I kind of wondered, because it definitely moves a little different from a a ship model. It doesn't look like a dolly. Yeah, I thought it worked pretty well. Yeah, so uh, so the the clit rocker blasts a beam <laughs> at, at Riker, of all people, and it, and it sort of encases him in this clear... Uh, this clear shielding, it sort of freezes him. Yeah, like an, an energy field. Yeah, and so uh, so Tasha, Yar, and Data start shooting phasers at the uh, at the machine and blow it up. But Riker's still locked in this thing. Right. Really, uh, really tricky situation when you're not really sure if the first officer of the starship is alive or not. And they're they're on the radio with Picard the whole time, and uh, Picard is getting pretty frustrated. So he wants them beamed up. But it turns out there's some kind of field that's preventing beaming up. But he and the doctor are able to beam down. So Yeah, it's weird. It's like the door locked behind them. So Picard, for some reason, thinks that he's going to be able to uh, solve this situation by going down in person. And he and the doctor... Yeah, with, without Riker to stop Picard from <laughs> beaming down on a, on a away team, like Picard takes yeah. the first opportunity to go join one. Yeah, I think that Counselor Troy makes kind of a half-hearted attempt to talk him out of it, but he's not going to listen to her. Interestingly, he gives Jordy the bridge. 
Yeah, this is the second time that Jordy has uh, taken command. And uh, this winds up having uh, a real story arc for Jordy, which might be his first time as the protagonist of a storyline in, in an episode. Am I wrong about that? No, I think this is uh, 20 episodes in. Uh, we're, we're just starting to get some Jordy backstory. Some Jordy story. It is the guiding principle of a soft beating face. Have you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. 
Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Another sentry probe shows up. I think at this point they've gotten Riker out of the energy field, but this second sentry probe starts blasting away, and it's like a lot more aggro than the first one. And Picard and Crusher are like trying to draw its fire and wind up just falling down a hole. (laughs) Yeah, once you get a look at how far they fell... It's amazing that Picard is just fine. And he's yeah. Picard's the one that does a front somersault right. down. Like, I replayed this scene a bunch. Yeah, there's see. definitely going to be a gif of this, uh, yeah. of this moment <laughs> in my Twitter stream. Yeah, it was kind of amazing. So Beverly just sort of slides down, uh, slips and slides, and breaks a leg and an arm. But uh, Picard front flips down the hole and lands uh, just a little dusty. Yeah, he, he tucks, he rolls. He's a little bit more used to the action than the than the doctor is. He's eager for the fray, and uh, right. yeah, they're in this dusty, dirty, like cobweb-strewn underground area. It's some kind of room, like there's definitely like structural things, but it's also kind of cave-like. Pretty good set. Yeah, the doctor is in fucking rough shape. She's like bloodied up on her arm. We come to find out that she's also injured a leg which is like buried under this dirt so picard is like trying to patch her up put her put a splint on her arm when they realize that they're unable to reach the enterprise on their communicators but you know she's she's probably concussed and and uh not not doing so hot and and he's yeah i mean not sure how to how to proceed really she's got blood coming out of the side of her mouth too which is a pretty strong sign that she's either dead or dying in movie and television rules yeah. So they yeah. really emphasize the, the level of danger with that. The only thing stronger is a character coughing and it be going uncommented on. Right, right. You know that by the third act, that character is dead meat. So just above them on the surface of the planet, Riker, Yar, and Data are dealing with this drone. They finally destroyify it with two phasers. But uh, Data has, like, counted the intervals between drones and announces that every, like, uh, 12 minutes or something, a new drone is spawning, and they seem to be getting tougher and tougher. In orbit, the Enterprise is getting attacked by a cloaked probe. I'm picking up an object off the port bow. It's firing. Red alert. Battle stations. And they're in trouble. They can't lock phasers or torpedoes on this thing. And the chief engineer gets on on the blower and starts barking at Lieutenant LaForge. Yeah, and the reason he's doing that is because he outranks Geordi. He goes so far as to come all the way to the bridge and is like, In view of the present crisis, I believe you should relinquish command to me. No, I outrank you. Mr. Logan, I'm in command. So why don't you just go ahead and do that? Thanks. Yeah, this guy is like, they they called up Central Casting and said, send us Bully from a 1980s ski comedy. Uh, <laughs> and that's that's who this guy is. Like, he keeps kind of showing up on the bridge, like, right when LaForge needs to be focused on something. So LaForge is kind of fighting on two fronts. And uh, I thought this was a great scene. Like, he really, uh, he, he really stands up for himself and... He's like, I was left in command. It's not your place to just go and usurp the captain's orders just because he's not here to to clarify on this point. 
your place is in engineering and I need you there right now because we're low on power, dude. Yeah, I think there are a few reasons to dislike Chief Engineer Logan. Firstly, he's a real dickhead to Jordy. He's he's no Argyle. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And the second is uh, he's Argyle's replacement, right? Like, uh, he's the new chief engineer. And he's clearly, uh, he doesn't have the charisma. He doesn't have the accent. He doesn't have the actor name of an Argyle slash Biff Yeager. And uh, I hated him immediately. Go fuck yourself, Chief Engineer Logan. I hope this is your last episode. Oh, wait, it is. <laughs> my, my love is a peep of Logan Jill for that which longer nurses the disease. The Enterprise under Geordi's command is kind of getting the shit kicked out of him. I mean, in a way, Logan's right. They can't just stay up there and continue getting tossed around. Like, right. Do something. Every time they get fired on, the enemy ship disappears, so they can't return fire. So they're just kind of sitting ducks. Finally, uh, Jordy decides to break orbit and take the ship out of range so he can uh, come up with another plan. Yeah. Because so, what he's doing isn't working. There's a pretty funny little uh, little bait and switch that he pulls on, on Chief Engineer Logan here where he says, you're going to take command, dot, dot, dot. Of the saucer section. Yeah, have fun saving all the dumb families. <laughs> I guess they've gotten clear of the planet by now, which was funny because, like, that's all Logan was arguing for. And then Jordy does it, and Logan is like, What about your responsibilities to Captain Picard and the members of the away team? I have a responsibility to them as well. There's basically no way Jordy can win the argument with him because Logan's always going to be right. <laughs> So, anyways, they head back with the Star Drive section, and uh, they're working on a tactic where they'll kind of analyze the pattern of attack that is being used by this drone to take it out. But uh, it's it's uh, it's not going to be any easy feat. So, down in the cave, Picard discovers a computer terminal, and he activates it, and uh, back comes Vincent Chiavelli. He's in full-blown used car salesman mode. Versatile, powerful, and easy to use. The 607 does it all. Really giving him the hard sell. Yeah. Uh, This is a demonstration of the Echo Papa 607, a uh, weapon system that can upgrade itself uh, depending on what the response is being used by the enemy. So we've seen this... uh, on the ground, when Data was able to shoot down the first one, it took Data and Yar using their phasers at the same time to shoot down the second one, and then it took all three of them, uh, including Riker, to shoot down the third one. Uh, now there's a fourth one that's about to spawn, and uh, it's looking like they're fucked. Yeah, it's clear that by the fourth iteration, they're not going to be able to hold this one off, because they've already basically done all of their best plans to kill the first three. Yeah. Like, they don't have a fourth phaser. <laughs> it's right. It's, it's going to take one more phaser to take this one down. There's a cool <laughs> scene here when uh, when Data jumps to the bottom. Like, he's, yeah. he's been on the surface the entire time, but he decides to hop through the hole. I love that. Yeah. It really shows, like, one of Data's super strength characteristics, which I thought was awesome. They find the, the hole that they fell down, and Data wants to take a take a look at the computer and no problem for him to drop 30 feet yeah it looks uh, it looks real and good yeah very well done so data pops down and uh his tricorder confirms what we've all suspected that beverly's in really bad shape 
and uh, and as as the salesman, as uh, as Vincent Chiavelli is continuing to give him the hard sell, uh, <laughs> Picard finally just sort of tells him that he'll buy one if that means that they'll stop the demonstration. We'll take it. We've seen enough. You made a sale. You won't be sorry. Good. And Vincent Chiavelli is like, great. That's awesome. That's all you needed to say. Yeah. And it's crisis averted pretty much instantaneously. Well, or is it? Because uh, the second the crisis is averted on the surface, we go back up to the upper atmosphere where the Enterprise is still being hotly pursued by this cloaked drone, which I was confused by because I would have guessed that that was part of the demonstration, but apparently it wasn't. It's just a planetary defense drone or something. Oh, really? I thought it was associated with uh, Echo Papa 607. Right, but they turned it off. The one that was chasing them through the Home Depot jungle disappeared when when they turned it off but the uh the cloaked one is still causing big problems up in orbit if the echo papa 607 on the surface knew who captain rice was then wouldn't the only way that would be possible is if there was a similar unit in orbit that had interacted with the drake before it was destroyed i guess so that's the only reason i assumed that they were related because the only way the Drake gets destroyed is from the planetary defense, and the only way the, the surface defense knows about the planetary defense is if they're somehow on the same team. Yeah. Some parts of this that, that are hard to, hard to get your head around. Damok, Angelad, Tanaga. Damok, Angelad, Tanaga. Well, uh... Jordy does get his head around a plan to destroy this thing. He does it by skimming the atmosphere of the planet with the star drive section. So as they get closer and closer, there's a burning effect around the ship that surrounds the Enterprise and also the cloaked ship that's been harassing them the entire time. Right. It's a cool plan, you know, like hangs together, makes sense, you know, cloak or no cloak, it's going to hit the atmosphere just the same as them. And, uh, and they use that to their advantage. They manage to get a lock. They waste that thing. And uh, I think this is uh, kind of the first time we've seen Worf at Tactical really uh, coming into his own at that station as well. Yeah, I think this was sort of a job interview for him. And, I, and he did great. Yeah. Good job, yeah. Worf. Nice one. Now that all is well, uh, the away team beams back up and... A very dirty Picard and Riker walk onto the battle bridge, and uh, Picard, uh, as is his wont, especially when he's on the battle bridge, big dogs LaForge a little bit and <laughs> says that uh, I uh, I left a an intact ship, and I I will not take command again until you put my damn ship back together, buddy. And that gets a big grin out of Lieutenant LaForge. Yeah, he's all too happy to remain in command uh, for the time it takes to stick the ship parts back together. Yeah. The shots of the ship in this are awesome. Like, there's some great, like, angles that we don't normally see. Like, usually if the ship is in orbit of a planet, we just have the planet in the middle of the screen with the ship moving across it. There was a couple of, like, high angles of the ship, kind of small in frame against the backdrop of the planet that I thought were really great. And there's, like, a bona fide space battle in this episode, which is always really fun to watch. Yeah. Good special effects, generally speaking, when it came to uh, to the ship. I hope this is just the beginning of a greater variation of this stuff that we're getting in the remastered version of the show, because it's been pretty great so far. Yeah, the planets look really good. They don't look all muddy and uniform the way they they used to. Yeah, it's real. uh, I mean, it used to look like an 8-bit video game, and now it's (laughs) looking pretty nice. It's looking like uh, Sega Saturn. Yeah. 
I thought it was a good episode. I think it lived up to my expectations and hopes and my recollections that I had uh, watching it the first time. Yeah. The whole Jordy gets to be captain for a while part was a little less familiar to me. Uh, and it was a really big B story totally. to this to this entire uh, episode. Yeah, there's a great scene where Jordy is kind of... He, he walks into the ready room and Troy follows him in and, and just kind of gives him a reminder. Like, I know you're really stressed out and you're doing great, but like these uh these B team crew members that are at at ops and con like they need motivation like they are stressed out too and they they know that you're not like the captain so uh just like take a leadership role and 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 motivate them and Jordy really takes the the bull by the horns on that and it's it's great like he has like totally good character development uh he seems like a a very confident character which you know, like there's definitely some episodes in this series where he is grossly in, unconfident in himself, and yeah, I, basically any time he talks to a woman, right? And and this, like, he seems great. He seem he really seems like a leader. He occasionally breaks into that Lavar Burton uh, intonation, like with his captain's log and stuff. <laughs> and when he interacts with some of the bridge crew, like. <laughs> He he got he got a little reading rainbow with it, like really like super nice. Chief Engineer Logan is on his way to the bridge, and he's not paying a courtesy call. But you don't have to take my word for it. One of the B team bridge crew people that he was he was sort of coaching up was uh, Julia Nixon. You remember her from Rambo Two? Oh yeah, I was wondering why I recognized her. Expendable. What mean expendable? I thought that was awesome, and she has a bunch of lines. She did a great job in this one. Yeah, good job, Julia Nixon. <laughs> great job. I feel like that's becoming a regular thing for us, like we're shouting out uh, bit characters that, <laughs> yeah. that we recognize. Maybe we should have another little uh, another little uh, segment for, uh, for when we see a sort of recognizable character actor pop up on the show. Yeah to think about what we call that speaking of of people we nominate for things uh did you have a drunk shimoda for this episode Incredible. Drunk shimoda. sure so drunk shimoda is anytime a character is uh having a lot of fun or just doing something that seems incongruent that uh amused us enough to uh to write down uh i mean for me it was the holographic salesman he's just uh he's so fun to watch and he's so like you know, like the second he thinks he's landed the sale, he's like, I've got the sale. This is great. <laughs> like, like it's such a funny characterization and, uh, and, uh, and was generally genuinely fun to watch the same way that Jim Shimoda assistant chief engineer from episode two was genuinely fun to watch. Yeah. Good call. Uh, I voted for Captain Picard himself because much in the same way that Shimoda, like as soon as he was given a little bit of freedom and alcohol, uh, <laughs> just started doing a bunch of fun shit. Like it felt like as soon as Riker was off of the bridge, Picard was like, I am going on an away team. <laughs> like, Who's got was... two thumbs and is going on an away mission. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, like, I don't know that we can be sure that as soon as the away team was, uh, was telling him that Riker was encased in that force field, that maybe Picard wasn't secretly happy about that <laughs> because he was out of his seat and on his way to the transporter room pretty much immediately. So yeah, 
Well, he he got he got on the uh, turbo lift and flipped a coin whether he was going to go fire up the minuet program on the holodeck or go down to the service planet. It's like the parents are out of town. We're throwing a party. That was uh, <laughs> that was Picard going down to the surface. It's yeah. a good job by him. Yeah. I believe it was Chekhov that wrote that if the parents go out of town and you have a party, it has to be a montage scene at the end where you put the house back together before the parents get back. And right. they come back together. And uh, that just seems like a missed opportunity. Yeah, instead they gang up on Geordi. Really make him <laughs> feel bad about how they left the house. Yeah. Bummer, Geordi. Not going to give him any more chances to do that. Nope, you're off the bridge pretty soon, dude. All of uh, Picard's liquor has been topped off with water. <laughs> I thought Romulan Ale was supposed to be blue. This is clear. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. What do we got going on uh, for the next episode? The next episode is called Symbiosis. The Enterprise is caught in the middle uh, when two alien races wage a bitter battle over cargo, which one of them needs to survive. Hmm. <laughs> Got any memories of this one? I really don't. Uh, that's probably a soundbite you could play over most of these season one episodes. <laughs> I remember this one being a very heavy-handed anti-drug message, and it, it was a bleak one for me. Like I, I don't, I don't remember liking this episode much. The reception seems to echo that sentiment. This is one <laughs> of those episodes which exemplify all that is awful about Star Trek in general. I feel like these receptions that you read are always written by people that hate Star Trek. <laughs> uh, because I'm getting these reviews off of fuckstartrek.com. Oh, well, that explains it. <laughs> so many people that, ha- that give one listen to our show think that we're in that camp. Oh, uh, we are not. We are not at all. Why would we spend 20 episodes making a show about Star Trek if we didn't like it? Yeah, eat that two-star reviewers <laughs> so yeah it doesn't appear like it was received very well and if it's a if it's a dare episode then god we're really in for a treat huh <laughs> well i'm looking forward to it aren't you i mean the both of us have a pretty significant drug problem right. so i'm going to be curious if this episode coming up is going to be effective and maybe getting us off the crack mm, yeah or at least persuading us that it is whack i hope not i I personally love my drug problem. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps up this exciting episode of The Greatest Generation. Uh, if you want to reach out, if we want to reach out to us, uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Cut for Time. Ben is at Benjamin AHR. We should thank Dark Materia for our theme music, which is notably the best part of our podcast. You stick that tune in your car with like a bazooka bass subwoofer in there man really going street patrol yeah that's a that's a a milkshake that'll bring all the boys to the yard yeah that's a rear view mirror rattler right there you go from bucket to street sweeper in one fell swoop (laughs) yeah thanks to dark material for that though uh you can also join the hashtag that is sweeping the nation hashtag greatest gen is where you can join uh fellow star trek nerds as well as our country's proud servicemen. You can talk about either. You can talk about World War II service, or you can talk about Star Trek The Next Generation. Your, talk about both. You can, if you can fit that into 140 characters. I hope someone tries. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's all we have to say about that. It's been a fun episode. I'm Ben Harrison. Yeah, I'm Adam Pranica. We will see you next time with another great episode of The Next Generation. 
and uh, and you're too shameful host to bring it to you. Bye. Bye.